Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to New Idea Investigates. My name is Marianne Harris. Thank you for your company. In this episode, we explore the unsolved murder of a popular touch football referee in Sydney's West in 1993. 34-year-old father of two, Wayne Crossingham, was on his way home to his Liverpool unit after a game when he was brutally murdered. His killer still walks the streets. Who killed Wayne and why? Yeah, well, he was stabbed 12 times, they tell us, you know, so, and we were told that the one that got him in the throat was the one that did it. Whoever got him, you know, had to get him unawares because yeah. Wayne would have given up a good fight. Young, active and friendly, Wayne was the president of the local Touch Football Association and on Wednesday the 10th of February at around 6pm, he left his third floor unit on Memorial Avenue in Liverpool to head over to nearby Woodwood Park to referee a game. That game finished at 9.30 but Wayne stayed behind with a few other officials and socialised a while. He left the park on foot an hour later, around 10.30, and began the five-minute walk home. That walk home would be his last. He reached his unit block in what was normally a secure building, only on the night in question, the door was in fact broken. As he headed up the stairs to his unit, Wayne was ambushed and stabbed multiple times in the stairwell in what has been described as a frenzied attack. We were in bed and um, there was a knock on the door about three o'clock, half past three in the morning. And I just jumped out of bed and opened the door and there was two policemen there. They asked me, was I the mother of, and I thought they said Paul. Police had a body, a crime scene and a murder weapon, yet the case remains unsolved. They had suspects, but they didn't have enough evidence to charge anyone. It remains a challenging case. How did you first hear about Wayne's murder? We were in bed and um, there was a knock on the door about three o'clock, half past three in the morning. And I just jumped out of bed and opened the door and there was two policemen there. They asked me, was I the mother of, and I thought they said Paul, because Paul had been out driving in our car that night. And I thought, oh my God, what's Paul done? And then they said it again and uh, told me to sit down. And they came in and told me about Wayne, what had happened and everything else. They offered to let the rest of the children know, but I I rang them all and told them. Were you in a state of complete shock and and disbelief, Marge? You would have been. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. It was just... (laughs) It was just horrendous. I just never ever thought that would happen. Tell me about a little bit about his life, Marge, and and his, his, his work and his family situation. He was a bit of a larrigan, uh, you know. He never stepped back from a argument, <laughs> from a fight. He was no angel, I know that. <laughs> so um, he was married to Gail for I can't remember how many years, um, and they had Belinda and Benjamin, and um, they lived over in Miller, and then they sold the, um, they separated, and they sold that house, and Gail moved down to Kiama, 
and Wayne stayed with um, people in Liverpool. He rented a room in Liverpool yeah. until he got the flat in Liverpool. He, uh, him and his mate turned around and bought a sports store. No, I think it was going very successful, but after Wayne died, the shop went downhill and in the end they had to close it, which was a shame. When you heard the details that he, he didn't pass away from natural causes or it wasn't an accident, the fact that he was brutally murdered by somebody, mm. how, how, did, how does one possibly react to that? How does one take uh, that on board? I don't know. I, I, just, I just was like numb. I just sort of just sitting there just crying when the police were there. You know, I just, I just couldn't believe it. None of the family could believe it, that someone could do that to Wayne when he was so strong, you know, that he would have put up a good fight. And for two, two years, I just walked through the house just crying and everything else. I took up bowls to try and get myself out of the depression I was in. Mm. Because um, I think if I hadn't have done that, I think I might have gone, <laughs> gone insane because yeah. I just played the music over and over and over again. Were you and your family shocked at the actual, at the violence of the crime? Yeah, I'm very shocked at that, yeah, because I just couldn't believe that that could happen, you know. You hear of it on the radio all the time, but you don't expect it to happen, do you? Yeah, well, he was stabbed 12 times, they tell us, you know, so, and we were told that the one that got him in the throat was the, the one that did it because the rest of them wouldn't have been as um, life-threatening. So if they, they think that, you know, the throat one was the first first one and then the rest were his hands and that where he was trying to protect himself. Do you think it's possible that Wayne knew his killer, Marge? Um, I don't know. I really and truly do not know. Um, I, I think yes at times and then other times I think oh, I don't know. I just don't know. He was walking up to his, his unit and it wasn't a robbery or anything because all of his stuff was still in his bag. Yeah. So it was somebody, somebody he's, he's upset or, or something like that. I don't know. I just wish we'd know why, you know, if he's really upset somebody, because it had to be somebody that knew Wayne to to do such a vicious thing, because as I said, something like that is all I can think about. Yeah. Well, that's that's obviously one of the theories, isn't it? Mm. That he must have known somebody. He must have known somebody, so... um, But felt comfortable enough of passing them, you know? Yeah. What was his funeral like? What do you remember of that march? Yeah, he was huge. We were in the church was up in um, up in Mount Pritchard, I think the church were. So, and we had to go out to um, Leppington. So we followed the hearse all the way out there. And you look behind, and the, it was really huge. All the cars coming behind. I couldn't believe how many cars there were. And it was a horrible, horrible day. It just rained. Mm. Sometimes these crimes that that happen to families, they don't just affect one person, do they? They, no, they affect no, a number they, of they people. Affect, they affect the whole family um, because I know um, my youngest daughter, Joanne, she was very close to Wayne and she won't talk about it at all. She just says no, she won't talk about it because it hurts her too much. So it really does it not just affect mm. one person, it in fact affects 
the entire family, but in very different ways because people cope yeah. with grief in very different ways, don't they? Yeah, def- definitely, yeah. Mm. I talk about him all the time to different people and that way, Joe, anyway. Yeah. Um, well, he was here when he lived. He was yours? Yeah, he was mine. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right, Marge. As I said, he, he was, he's a bit of a larrigan, you know, and he would, if there was a fight, he'd be in a... <laughs> so... And do you still have photos of him around the house? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Because when it first happened, we were... Um, I heard from somebody from Victims of Crime and they said to me, don't put put his photos away because he did live, you know, so I used to have photos everywhere. At the moment, I have them in my bedroom. And we know where and we know how, but just the why, why and who, you know, why Mm. it happened, even if we found out why. But I don't think I'll ever see it in my lifetime. Do you honestly feel that, Marge? Do you feel that you don't have hope that you'll get a resolution? No. I really think we won't know in our lifetime. I always say to everybody, I'm going to go up there and see him and I'll find out. <laughs> and do birthdays and anniversaries still affect you and the family? Yeah, and I can't go to his grave. Every time I go to his grave, I just break grave down because I want to take it with me. How do you, when you do have one of those bad days and you do look at the photos and and think back about Wayne's life. How do you get through those moments? What gives you some peace? Uh, I, I really don't know. I just sit there and cry and just ask him why, why. I used to pray and pray that he'd come and tell me why, who did it, and everything else, or why. So I just sort of, you just got to pull yourself away from it. Otherwise, you just, it's, you know, you just go under. How did you feel when the police reopened the case six years ago? Um, a lot of hope um, because we had to go to the police station and give statements and everything else. Um, so we thought, yep, it's finally going to be solved. And um, then we moved up to Queensland and, um, and the case just sort of went into limbo again. So they obviously had no leads. They may well have had suspects or persons of interest, but nothing... I think she had persons of interest uh, and everything else and that, you know, so they had to have something for them to open the case again. But, um, you know, as I rang the police, because it was on on Facebook on his anniversary, and uh, I rang the police to see whether or not um, they had any new, new new leads or anything else, and unfortunately, no. They're still hoping that something will bring, somebody will come up with some idea, you know, some information. So your hopes were dashed? Yeah, yeah they were dashed six years ago. And even now, but as I say, I at times I think it'll never get solved. But then again, they're solving old murders now, aren't they? This is what the police told us right at the very, very beginning. They, even then, they didn't think give it much hope, and they said what possibly would happen was that the person that did it might get arrested and start bragging in jail, and one of the people in jail would tell the police, you know, to try and get some of their time shortened. Yeah. And that's how we'd find out. But 
So far, that's never happened. How can the public help you, Marge? Oh, just if anybody knows anything, if they just come forward and just give the police some information just so that we can put him to rest. That's all we really want is just so that we can close the case. Whoever knows anything would just come forward and just tell the police just so that we can put mine to rest. Thank you for listening and for your company. There is a reward of $100,000 for information that leads to a successful conviction. If you have any information that relates to this case, please call Crime Stoppers on 1800 000. And don't forget to subscribe to New Idea Investigates so you never miss an episode. Simply head to iTunes or omni.fm.